innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow. But I take it hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight, fight. Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. This is one of the first episodes we've produced since I moved to Bellingham, Washington, and it's the first since Masters World 2018 just finished in Las Vegas, Nevada. A lot of friends of the show did very well, and we're going to shout out those folks in just a second. But before that, I want to tell you what's going to happen on today's show, because it's a little bit different. Yes, we have a featured interview. That's with Austin Daffron, one of the most active competitors in the Pacific Northwest. But we also have a pre-scripted radio piece that was produced by a friend of the show, and it's about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. One of my longtime friends and training partners, someone you've heard on the show several times, Shayla too, competed at Masters Worlds. That's not news. It's not news that she medaled and got a bronze, although congratulations are in order there. But what is news is Shayla, with her twin sister Malin too, participated in something called KCRW's radio race while they were at the Masters Worlds. Now, the radio race is something that the public radio station KCRW puts on every year. You get a topic at 10 in the morning, and by 10 the next morning, you have to have a full three to four minute radio piece produced and submitted. And so they're there at the Masters Worlds with access to some of the best athletes in the world. And you'll hear some of those best athletes on their excerpt, which we'll play in a second. But you'll also hear something that I think is a little bit different and something that I appreciate all the more, which is this piece is produced from Malin's perspective, the perspective of someone who does not train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but has someone near and dear to her heart, her own twin sister, who does. And you get to see through her eyes this really high-level jiu-jitsu tournament as she watches her twin compete in this frenetic, fraught, intense activity. I thought it was a beautiful piece, and even if they hadn't talked to some of the best women ever to train jiu-jitsu, although they did, I would have thought it was worth sharing with you. So we'll share that with you in just a second. And if you subscribe to Dirty White Belt Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, which I highly encourage you to do, you may have noticed we did a piece of our own for the radio race that was not about jujitsu. It was about single motherhood, and as the only child of a single mom myself, that was near and dear to my heart, and me and Betsy O'Donovan produced that together. So if you enjoyed uh, Shayla and Malin's piece about jujitsu, and you want to see something in a similar vein that is not at all about jujitsu, you can check that out on our podcast feed on all your regular podcatchers on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. But before we get into the show today, I want to share with you how to get in touch with us. You can always get in touch with me via email at jeff at dirtywhitebeltradio.com. You can follow us on Instagram at dirtywhitebelt, and you can, of course, check us out on dirtywhitebelt.com where all the podcasts get posted. We really appreciate all of the support that we've received since moving to Bellingham, and we're looking forward to being community radio for jujitsu in another community. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend Masters Worlds this year. If I had been, I'd been able to see 
a number of my friends put on amazing performances. I want to congratulate new world champions, Matt Samora, Masters Purple Belt from Team Rock, bringing home the gold. Gita Bot of Kerry Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, who also took gold. Saida Zanabdurki, who took gold at Blue Belt and then was promoted to Purple Belt on the podium. So congratulations, Saida. And in surprise to no one, uh, Kim Rice at Brown Belt took both gold in weight, gold in absolute, with all wins by submission. There were a lot of incredible performances in Las Vegas, but I wanted to make sure to highlight those. I also wanted to, to highlight performances by some non-Masters athletes who went out for the Las Vegas Open. Both Sammy Seth and Evan Arredondo took no-gi gold in their respective weight classes, and Amber Agee also took double bronze at the tournament as well. So congratulations to everybody who did well. Shayla, too, took bronze at the tournament, and this is an impressive achievement generally at a tournament as tough as Masters Worlds, but it's especially tough when you're also working on a radio piece. And as I mentioned in the introduction to the show, that's exactly what she and her twin sister were doing. So Shayla and Maylin, too, graciously allowed me to repurpose their content. And so if you're interested in the radio piece that they produced, which I think is just outstanding, here it is. She tapped, and I let go. But the ref didn't see it, and he didn't say stop. And so by the rules, we stop when the ref says stop. So I choked her. She tapped. I let go. I looked at the ref. He didn't say anything. So I went back and choked her some more. I'm in Vegas this weekend, and it's not for the slot machines or the Elvis impersonators. No, I'm here to see my twin sister compete in the World Master Jiu-Jitsu Championship, and she just won her first match. She doesn't know, like, what to yell. You know, Seth and Amber can say... Yeah, I don't know what's going on. or whatever, but she doesn't know jujitsu, so I told her, you can say, go Shayla. You can say, don't give up. And you can say, fight, fight, fight. Keep going, keep going. Go hard. Everything you got. Shayla is one of dozens of women competing this weekend, but things haven't always been equal for women on or off the mat. I remember, like, when I used to train, I was to stay there. Like, people would not even ask, hey, you want to roll? And I would stay there, like, for two or three rolls just by myself. So I had to ask my instructor, hey, can you put me in? I started about 15 to 18 years ago, and when I did tournaments, I was maybe one of three women at the entire tournament. That's why it was everything together, right, from blue to the black belt. And then they, they, they split the blue, and then it was purple, brown, and black for a long time together. But today is everything easier. So, just to put this into perspective, a blue belt fighting a black belt would be a little bit like a cute little bunny rabbit taking on Jackie Chan, or me facing down my student loans. I love not losing. It's really fun to not lose. The more I don't lose, the more I'm motivated to keep fighting. I haven't told Shayla this, but I have a love-hate relationship with watching her compete. I want her to win so badly, it physically hurts. And this is just a game with rules and regulations and referees. This isn't even real life. Well, my first match, um, I was pulling the girl down in guard, and she got an advantage point because she was trying to get me in an arm bar. But then I passed her guard, and I got on mount, and then I did an arm bar. What's your name? Kaden Sauter, I'm 10 years old, and today I got a silver medal. My name's Alana. How old are you? Eight. My favorite takedown is a single leg, and my favorite sweep's a scissor sweep. If I'm honest, I don't want things to get better for the next generation. 
I want women to have a fighting chance now. Keep going. Fight with everything you've got. Don't give up. This piece was produced by Twinsters as part of the 24-hour radio race from KCRW's Independent Producer Project. My thanks to Shayla and Malin too for letting us use that radio piece. I thought it was excellent. And for those of you who are active competitors but are loved by people who are not, maybe you can share that with them and they can get an insight into that experience. Hey, North Carolina. Who's interested in submission-only grappling? U.S. Grappling is coming back to Greensboro October 27th for submission-only Greensboro. It's right before Halloween, so who knows? Maybe you'll see somebody grappling in a costume. Odds are really high if Brian Miller wants to compete. You can register online at usgrappling.com. This is true submission-only. No points, no time limits, no excuses. A true format where you can't say that guy pulled guard out, got one advantage, installed on me. One of you is going to tap. So if you haven't done one of these tournaments, I can't recommend them enough. It's a tremendously professional tournament organization. My favorite tournament organization by orders of magnitude. So check out U.S. Grappling Submission-Only Greensboro, October 27th, 2018. Austin Daffron is an active purple belt competitor. He has a very cerebral approach to jiu-jitsu, and he gets out and competes in a lot of different formats, but primarily submission only. I first got to train with Austin after moving to Bellingham, Washington, and I noticed him having a lot of success in the local ranks. He's a young person with high goals, and I wanted to talk to him about those goals. Especially, I wanted to talk to him before uh, the end of August, because he's moving to Switzerland. By the time you're listening to this, he's already going to be the land of the Alps and hot chocolate, and hopefully he's found a great place to train. Over the next half hour, we're going to talk to him about how he got started training jiu-jitsu, what duck jitsu means, who or what he will miss most about the Pacific Northwest and the United States generally, about his favorite grapplers to watch, and there are some names that are not going to surprise you, and who's helped him the most along this journey. I had a great time talking with Austin, and I can't wait for him to come back in December so that we can break down all he's learned while grappling in Switzerland. Without further ado, here's our interview with Austin Daffron. So Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I'm always interested in people's origin stories. Uh, how did you start doing jiu-jitsu and what inspired you to get into it? You know, wrestling in high school was definitely a pretty big influence. After I was done with high school wrestling, I needed an activity to do. And slightly before I got out, um, I got mentioned as far as, uh, you know, whether I was going to compete in wrestling in college or look to run in college and I decided uh, to do neither as far as like my school choices they didn't have a program um, and I looked into like mixed martial arts right out of high school and that's kind of where I got introduced to jiu-jitsu and so uh, where did you wrestle in high school at Ballard High School and, but you chose not to run or do that in, in, in college. Uh, I'm interested in why that is. The school selection of like where, where I could do those things wasn't great. It was uh, Everett Trinity College uh, and Everett Community College for running. There was a track cross-country coach there that uh, said he'd you know, help out with school if I wanted to run. And once I found out they're running like uh, their top guys like 100 miles a week, I just wasn't as passionate about the running as I was about uh, like wrestling. Mm. And as far as the wrestling, uh, they just had Highline Community College in Washington, and I didn't love the school uh, when I checked it out. Well, I run only when being chased, so I can understand why you wouldn't want to run 100 miles a week. 
So when and where did you start training? How long you've been training, and who did you first start training with? Um, I first started at Ivan Salivary MMA, and I was passing out gym flyers for a gym membership. I shortly after decided I wasn't going to go the mixed martial arts route right away. After uh, like hopping into the sparring, getting my face punched in a couple times, and I, yeah, I jumped right into sparring, right into the training. Um, as far as uh, they were looking to give me fights right, right away, so it was kind of, yeah, got it like, oh, not ready for that yet. So uh, after I started school, I was at Greasy Baja, and there was uh, my location change from uh, Seattle to Kirkland area. So they had different locations within the Seattle area, and it was just a lot more convenient. And uh, I started to focus uh, more on jiu-jitsu after... Uh, yeah, the experience with kind of like mixed martial arts training. Mm-hmm. Well, so since I know you've done at least one combat jujitsu match in, in the last year. Is that something that uh, you feel like? So, for one thing, how did you enjoy that? And for another, is MMA still a goal of yours in the future, maybe, or a possibility? Yes, it's definitely a possibility. I did have I had four uh, amateur mixed martial arts bouts. The combat jiu-jitsu was a lot of fun, and I think the level for the the combat jiu-jitsu for, like, the EBI shows isn't at the same level as, obviously, the regular jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, and I had the privilege to do uh, ground control uh, two times, actually. The The first one I did, I, I didn't end up, like, uh, throwing a slap or anything. Um, the second one, I got to work my grapple box uh, over on TriStar Vancouver with uh, Cajun Johnson. I got to work that kind of side of jiu-jitsu, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How is it different? Because you and I talked about this before your combat jiu-jitsu match. I feel like a lot of people, when they take a combat jiu-jitsu match, they focus on the slapping, even if their real strength is the grappling. And so people like forget, oh, yeah, I can also get to my dominant grappling positions, but I'm too busy focused on this thing that I can't normally do, and so I do something that gets myself out of position. Is that your experience with it as well? Um. A little bit. The distance control, a um, little bit different. Where you're uh, chilling out, I would say, you know, you generally don't want to be anywhere near a turtle position. That's probably, like, more dangerous than uh, any other position, in my opinion. It's really easy to get your arms trapped. Um, you, you know, if you're coming up, you're exposing your neck to get strangled. Um, so I would say some of the positionary hierarchy changes a tiny bit, not a, not a ton. That would be the only position where... Granted, I don't want to be there in submission grappling either, but when you throw in strikes to that position, uh, I definitely found it sucked even more. So you're an active and successful competitor here in the Northwest, and you mentioned you've been on ground control, you've been on several like super fight shows, things like that. What do you think your main competition achievements are so far? Ah, uh, man. Um, I've won four uh, absolute divisions, and being a smaller competitor uh, in the area, it's always... You know, 140 pounds, sub 140 pounds. Uh, for the IBJF, I compete at light feather. Um, but uh, I would say, yeah, the, probably the absolute divisions uh, be the the biggest thing. But it's a lot of lot of local stuff that you probably wouldn't know unless you're in the Oregon, uh, you know, Seattle, you know, Washington area as far as like uh, the competition. So it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the Abu Dhabi trials or anything. It's uh, local events. 
Well, let's talk about what you're building towards then, because obviously you have goals. You mentioned some of your comp- some of your goals for training. Like, do you set competition goals? Like, in terms of I- I'd like to win this tournament, I'd like to be on this show, or do you think in those terms? Um, I definitely have long term goals as far as like the local shows. I'm not like. I want to be revolution champion or anything like that. But uh, as far as like long-term goals, uh, compete on EBI is a big one. Um, doing well in the sub-only scene uh, on an Invitational, I'd like to, to get on that one. I'd like to make a run at the ADCC Trials, and that'd be cool doing well at that tournament as well. Um, so those are kind of the big ones. The big one's EBI. I'd, I want to compete in EBI. Um, in the near future, two years, uh, that's kind of the big goal. You mentioned the ADCC trials, and for my money, ADCC is the most prestigious, at least no-gi event in the world. And I, I think that the, the people that – and you mentioned the absolute division as well. And I always feel like winning the absolute at ADCC is sort of the achievement. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that you as a 140-pound <laughs> grappler, that's what you're aiming at. But I'm just wondering, do you have the same opinion of ADCC? You know, obviously you mentioned EBI, but uh, you also mentioned ADCC and the trials there as a, as a long-term goal for you. Yeah, that would be a lot, a lot longer uh, down the line. Um, as far as the ADCC is definitely like the the Olympics, I would say of the sport. Um, EBI, I think in a, in two years, mm-hmm. um, I get I can get on that ACC tri- ADCC trials. Uh, winning that's gonna be gonna be a mission. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be over in Switzerland, so uh, hopefully I'll get married, I'll get my citizenship, and I'll be doing the <laughs> European trials. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's tough for the for the trials and killers. Ton of ton of great grapplers. The brackets are, you know, they're up to like, you know, hundred and twenty something competitors. It's ridiculous. Um, that's definitely uh, the biggest uh, tournament. Whether it is, uh, you know, submission only or points, I think that's as big as it gets. Is the ADCC. So you mentioned your upcoming trip to Switzerland, and uh, we should segue to that now because one of the reasons we wanted to have you on now is you're leaving in about a week, uh, maybe not even a week, to go to Switzerland. And so tell us why you're going, how long you're going, and what you're going to be doing while you're there. Okay. Um, I will be gone for uh, three months. I'll be teaching over there. Um, I'll be competing a little bit. I'll be doing my first, uh, I think it's called Cotet or something, uh, like tag team grappling. Um, That'll be pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I'll be training, enjoying uh, Switzerland. So. How did you get the opportunity to go? Um, a wrestling coach uh, contacted me, and he said, uh, you know, he just gave me a link for an email, and a guy was looking for wrestling slash grappling uh, instructor, and he said he'd fly him out to Switzerland, and uh, uh, he contacted me. And I was interested. So, so is this is this the kind of deal? Uh, you know, I know because a lot of the listeners would be interested in doing something like this. And is this the kind of deal where you get room and board, you get a stipend, that sort of thing? Yeah. So uh, I will be getting uh, room and board. I will be getting uh, flown out, and I will. They're not. They can't pay me directly uh, mm. for obvious reasons with uh, a work visa. But they will be paying for uh, some of my training as well as uh, traveling within Europe. But yeah, they can't give you a direct stipend for uh, obvious reasons with the, the work visa. So, 
So you mentioned that you're going to be competing while you're over there. Uh, what tournaments do you plan on competing at while you're on the EU? We got some questions from listeners asking about that. Um, I will be doing, uh, I believe it's the Zurich Open um, and the Nogi Swiss Open. Uh, actually, as soon as I get there. Uh, I think that one's uh, September, September 1st. So that one's uh, right around the corner. And uh, the Zurich Open is uh, September 22nd. Um, other than that, the only other tournament I plan on doing is Naga Europeans in the Netherlands. So that's as far as uh, the schedule right now. So one thing that I noticed, like I, you and I have trained a couple times, and we train and we've trained Nogi, which seems to be your primary focus. But we've also trained in the Gi. So I'm curious. It seems to be that Nogi grappling is your primary focus, and I'm wondering what draws you to that as opposed to Gi grappling. Do you have Gi plans and goals as well? I enjoy the no-gi grappling uh, more so than the gi grappling. So when I started off training, I did the first uh, year and a half to two years in the gi. Um, and I was doing about 90% gi training, probably 10% no-gi training. Um, and I definitely, when I switched over to uh, no-gi, I was doing better in competition. Um, I just had a lot more fun doing it. Not to say that, you know, you know, anything about it, it's just that's my general preference, and uh, I've definitely been specializing in that area as of the last two years. So, so you just enjoyed it more and gravitated to it as such. Yeah, I, I, I did better competition, uh, a little bit better with the grips for the nogi side of things. Um, and yeah, just enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. So you just heard Austin Daffron and I talk about how submission-only formats are excellent and how different rule sets drive different behaviors. U.S. Grappling is hosting the first-ever submission-only world championship in Richmond, Virginia, December 1st, and I couldn't be more excited for this. This is a true submission-only tournament, not other submission-only tournaments that are submission-only in name only, where you have submission-maybe formats of, hey, we go for 10 minutes, we go for 20 minutes, and then we have some overtime rules, maybe we have a first-to-score rule. Nah. With submission-only at U.S. Grappling, Two people step on the mat, one of them eventually taps. It's one of the few pure jujitsu formats out there. You can register online at usgrappling.com. And actually, I'm trying to talk Austin into flying out and competing December 1st in Richmond, Virginia at US Grappling's Submission Only World Championship. These tournaments are always tons of fun. True submission only is an opportunity to test yourself without any kind of a safety net. And US Grappling is the best run tournament around. So register online at usgrappling.com and we'll see you in December. As a primary no-gi grappler, I know that you focus... I mean, you have very good leg locks, Do you? but you also you do a lot of positional training to enhance your skills in particularized areas of grappling. And so I'm curious, as someone that, you know, from talking to you, I know that you think deeply about what it takes to get to improve at grappling areas, and so I'm wondering, do you have a specialty in terms of, like, these are my primary attacks, or is your goal to be more a well-rounded grappler to build up the skills you already have and, and shore up weaknesses? I definitely want to be well-rounded on, like, all areas of the body. I want to have a general system for, you know, attacking the arms, attacking the legs, attacking the neck. Um, In doing situational training from those specific uh, positions has helped me out a lot. Um, You know, developing higher finishing skills in those areas where, you know, if I'm terrible at, uh, you know, arm bars, starting off in the spiderweb position and doing kind of overtime rounds and stuff like that to help... Uh, build my finishing skills and obviously 
the better training partners you have for that, the better reactions you're going to be getting, and it definitely helps out a lot. But uh, let's say um, you have a position that's not as developed, you know, starting off with a, you know, the white belts, the blue belts, uh, generally going to, you know, so it comes along versus, you know, throwing it, you know, sort of like, all right, been working uh, my back sequences, now I'm going to go try it on the black belt or in the, the brown belt. So definitely building it up in those areas has helped me out a lot. You're also a person that it seems like watches a lot of competition footage, which makes sense as someone that has competition aspirations. And I'm wondering, what grapplers are currently your favorites to watch or the people that you learn the most from when you watch them? Currently, uh, Ethan Krellising. He's definitely a grappler I watch a lot. We have similar body types. Uh, it's fun to watch. Really, really exciting guy. Wagner Rocha too, a little bit different game, but uh, you know all the all the high level guys and seeing see what the you know what's working on the highest level is uh, you know a big part of it. But I definitely look for guys with similar body types and as well um, to help for uh, game development or guys who have similar games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you watch Wagner before you did your combat jujitsu match? Hey, I actually. Uh, in, in March for my combat jiu-jitsu match, I got like a, a very similar wrist lock position that he got in the this this last uh, Kasai. Yeah, yeah. So uh, oh, the, yeah, where he tapped um, Marcin Held. Yeah, I got I got like a, a five finger grip, and it was it was on the fingers, but mm-hmm. you know they they're you know I'm pulling down, and they're like, oh, it's a wrist lock. He has mm-hmm. he has all you know five fingers, and the guy is like, how is that legal? And he's all. You know, kind of like let me do it, and then he tapped, and it was, it was a pretty lame match because it ended in a like really short amount of time, and then like the people are like, "Whoa, what was what was that?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, "Oh, it's a wrist lock," and the dude was like, "How is that legal?" And uh, it's like, "Oh, you all, you know, you had all five fingers." So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as Rodrigo Gracie once told me, uh, if he if he taps, it's legit. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, and speaking of origin stories, uh, I wanted to ask you about how duck jitsu came about. How duck jitsu came about? Um, so for mixed martial arts, using the like the nickname uh, Gaffy from high school. As far as I played football, and uh, that was a big one. So when I got into mixed martial arts, I used uh, Daffy the Duck. As far as that goes, transitioned over to jitsu. I just used the handle Duck Jitsu for my Instagram. Uh, and I know that one of your sponsors has a Year of the Duck promotion. Yes, Happenstance Coffee. Uh, they hooked up a t-shirt, uh, You're the Duck, and a Duck Jitsu t-shirt, as well as just uh, you know coffee with uh, the duck on it. So, I think there's a lot of grapplers, especially those in North Carolina, who are sponsored by Forte Legato Coffee that would love a coffee sponsorship. So, you know, Austin's going to re- do make an instructional video about how to score a coffee sponsorship, probably. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's the plan. So, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, we're between training sessions right now. We're about to go out and train some more nogi. Um, but we talked on the way over here about balancing teaching and training because you, you know, obviously an active competitor, obviously with high goals, you leave in a week to go to Europe, but you also teach jujitsu. And so I'm wondering, how do you balance all of those interests and how do you make sure that you keep your own training to get to the level that you want to get to while also sort of serving your students' needs? Um, as far as uh, the balance go, it's just a uh, Mad Max, and it's uh, you sink or swim, and if you sink, you sink. No, uh, <laughs> um, I, I do a lot of situational work, and I think uh, you know 
generally the the grapplers I'm working with, uh, they're definitely newer grapplers. That's not to say like over a period of a month, three months, they're gonna get uh, you know fairly decent at a specific position. If uh, we focus on a position for a decent period of time, not to say they're gonna be you know world class, you know black belt, brown belt level. It's just to say if you focus on the position, you do a lot of specifics from there. They'll give me all right reactions. They're not giving me the same high level reactions that uh, obviously like a higher belt would give me, but it'll be decent. Where uh, if we're just like all over the place with filling in like the game, it's a little bit harder. But I, I definitely spend a, a lot of time on situational work and like building rules for the position and then doing a pretty good amount of sparring from there. How soon do you have your new students start positionally sparring? It depends. Depends on the person. Uh, full-time working individual versus, uh, you know, a younger person. Definitely, it's going to be. There's going to be a difference there, and also age is also a really big thing. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's strange. Like I, because I agree that it should depend on the person, and it, it's weird to me as someone that started jujitsu at thirty six and sparred his first night, which is just the way it was done in North Carolina and Hoist Gracie Jiu Jitsu at that time. And then I look back and I'm like, was that optimal? And I'm not sure it was, and I'm not sure it wasn't. It, it worked for me, and it was something that an experience that I'm really glad I had, but not one that I'm sure is right for everyone. You know? Yeah, yeah. There, there's certain people that like, can go and spar and just get like mauled and they're like oh i really love this and there's certain people like i'm never gonna do that again that was terrible and you gotta kind of feel it out on on the but generally i i don't have uh you know brand new people spar i would say kind of like the first three months is kind of and again it really it really depends on uh the individual as far as age you know athleticism all the different factors we're definitely uh you know, if they seem kind of freaked out by the contact or anything like that, you know, it tends to be a little bit longer process than, uh, you know, if you have like a, an 18 year old or a 19 year old, uh, younger person, you know, it's going to be like right away. Like generally those people just, you know, learn by fire now. Uh, mm-hmm. but you can, they definitely hop in a lot sooner. And, you know, even, even if you're not a, a younger person, I think, uh, there's definitely people I, I just hide and hop in right away, and they're totally fine. Uh, but there is definitely people who are uncomfortable with it, and you can kind of tell by when they check it out, get the vibe. So um, in terms of Switzerland, was this a kind of thing, like, wh- what was attractive about it to you? Was it a, a life experience attractive? Like, hey, it would be very cool to go and live in Europe for a while. And, or was it a training attractiveness? Like, a, it would be great to get some new training partners, get a change of scene, and see what people in Europe are doing. Yeah, it was definitely uh, the networking and the the life experience on, yeah, I've never been to Europe, so uh, having that opportunity to uh, travel and train, I think was, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll say cliche, once in a lifetime, but, you know, it doesn't happen too often, uh, opportunities like this, and uh, Mm kind of got to go with it, so... We got a question from one of your training partners, Morgan, who asks why you thought Sweden and Switzerland were the same place. Is, is that true? That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a troll. There are no such things as trolls on Instagram. 
Zero. Zero trolls. I, I haven't Zero. found one troll. <laughs> How have you gone about the process of seeking out people to train with outside of the academy you're going to be teaching, or have you started that process? Yes, I've been emailing people. Um, it seems where I'm staying, I'm staying in Southern. Um, so Bern is going to be the closest like major city. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've contacted gyms in Zurich. Zurich seems to have uh, pretty legit training. It's a little bit farther out, so it's going to be a little bit more of a commitment to get out there. But I think that's going to be the, the general plan. It's going to be training in Zurich uh, the other two days that I'm not teaching. And getting out there for the mornings as well. Um, as long as the transportation is set, which I'm kind of... Uh, complain between I do have a I do have a, a car out there mm. in the train the Europass uh, so are you a well, are there European jiu-jitsu athletes that you particularly admire that you're going to seek out to train with <laughs> I have not I have not I'm not too familiar with the European scene I will say that I do know uh Oliver Taza, he made yeah. it out of that trial, so uh, mm-hmm. he's obviously French-Canadian, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oliver Taza is awesome. He's had several matches with a friend of the show, David Porter, um, really great jiu-jitsu. I know that, uh, like, Espen Matheson would be on my list. I mean, he's primarily a gi guy, but uh, but terrific. And if you do get to Ireland, Derek O'Connell's gym is fantastic. Derek is... Yeah, 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 100%. And... I've heard of him, seen him in EBI. Uh, he's a beast. So, in, in terms of, you know, you mentioned, you know, your goal to be on EBI and how you watch a bunch of sport jiu-jitsu, uh, particularly on the no-gi scene. I'm curious, who do you think, like, in, in addition to, like, athletes that you admire and watch, who do you think are the three best currently competing no-gi athletes right now? That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you got to put Gordon Ryan, you know, uh, up there. We could probably do, like, the, right, the ADCC... Uh, Final, you know, the, the top three guys there, uh, Felipe Pena. You know, it's it's hard because uh, the smaller guys definitely they're, they're not competing in the, the generally the absolutes for the ADCC. So there's a lot of guys I, I tend to watch my weight class mm-hmm. a lot more frequently than uh, mm-hmm. you know the bigger guys. So sure, but Gordon Ryan, uh, Felipe, we can go pound for pound if you want. Pound so. for pound, man. I think you got to put Calbrinia. Yeah, yeah. There, so I think right now we could just we can right there. Those are the three. Fair enough. Well, what about dudes closer to your weight class? You you mentioned a couple of names, and I have a couple of names in my mind of like no, are nogi guys that are lighter weight, either light feather or featherweight guys that you think are at the top or close to the top of the heap right now. What uh, top guys in my weight class? Yeah. In the so I pay attention a lot to the the sub only scene, sure. so it's going to be kind of biased mm-hmm. towards that. Um, I'm not as familiar with the IBJF, uh, you know, top competitors, but I would have to say top guys: Ethan, Eddie Cummings, his training partner, who's doing really well. He just had a Kosai matchup. Oh, against, John Calstein. Yep, John Calstein. Yeah, I'm gonna kill all these names, but it's, uh, it's alright. Everybody pronounces Calistine's name wrong anyway. Like, <laughs> like on Kasai, all the commentators are saying Calistine. Then they interview him, and he's like Calistine. And I'm like, I'll go okay. with the way that you say it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, 100%. it's your name. I think uh, your boy Junie's up there as well. So uh, he's really he's a good competitor as far as uh, the mixture between the IBJF and then the sub only scene. Uh, Nicky Ryan's also obviously up there too as well uh, in Geo. Now that I think about it. So those guys, those guys are beast, and they're at the the lighter weight classes. 
I think Geo is the best tenth planet athlete that, or the best athlete tenth planet has ever produced, in, in my opinion. Like at least the, to this date, the most accomplished tenth planet jiu-jitsu competitor for sure. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say to this date, I think there's uh, some up and coming guys going to come on tenth planet. They're doing really well right now. Let's talk about up and coming guys because you mentioned Nikki Ryan and people. You know, people sometimes forget Nikki because he's 16 years old or 17 years old now. But like you said, it sounds like you have some other up and coming guys in mind that you have your eye on as people to watch for competitors of the future. So, well, what are some of those names? Uh, so I've competed against uh, Keith Corian this year, and he's been he's been killing it. He's a he's a beast. Uh, Tenth planet brown belt has been on EBI, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been on uh, EBI. He just won Show the Art, I believe. Uh, he's undefeated for the year, so that's mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. Um, Damien Anderson, uh, that Henzo Camp, is uh, also also a beast. Um, he hasn't been super active, but from from what I've seen from his competitions, uh, yeah, he's. I got to roll with him, and he tore me up pretty fast. Uh, very talented guy. Uh, he just, I feel like he just lost a competition out in uh, Jacksonville, but uh, he's better than the guy. From what I, in my opinion, he's better than the guy. Well, you so. know, you know, we we talked about this a little online. Like rule sets also drive competition success as well as your, the way that you focus on competition. And like some guys who might win in a sub only format might lose in an IBJJF points format because of their focus, because of their technique. And especially, like, if you prepare, if your entire preparation as a competitor is for a particular rule set, and then you're thrust into a different rule set, that is, that's disadvantageous. And sometimes, you know, and, and then sometimes just things happen, right? Sometimes, like, probability does not go your way, and even if you're 70% better than somebody, there's still that other 30% of the time. Yeah, I totally agree. Being specific to the, to the rule set you're training is, like, a pretty big advantage. Uh, you see a lot of these sub-only guys uh, get positionally dominated, uh, and it's like... You know, it is that guy. Like, if he stalls out for ten minutes and then he waits for overtime and he totally games it, like that's kind of, yeah. I, I don't know. How I feel about that. It's you know the same way I feel about like the IBJF when guys are playing advantages and stalling out and it just like looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous in both, uh, both like playing the rule sets in that way. As Tank Abbott once said in a different context, I hate to lose that way, but I'd hate to win that way too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What, what, or who will you miss most while you're in Switzerland from the states? I will not miss Morgan. <laughs> That's for sure. Probably uh, the food, man. The variety. I hope it's good out there, but uh, they must have good like hot chocolate and stuff, right? It's Switzerland. Yeah, they have good chocolate. What else? They have good water. Very expensive water too. So. Uh, I'll be drinking it. So one thing, we're, we're about to go back and train Nogi at Bellingham MMA with Hunter. And you've been training with Hunter for, for how long now? You've been coming up to train with him. I want to say it's at least probably a little bit over a year. We've been training very consistently. Uh, been traveling up to Bellingham you know, once a week, once every other week, somewhere in that, that time range. Uh, he actually cornered me for a couple fights so that's kind of how we became uh, friends when i was uh, on the mma circuit so so talk about him as a training partner as someone that you know is obviously still an active pro competitor himself but like obviously he must have helped you and like i'm wondering what you get out of training with hunter and what you've learned from him yeah man he's a he's a really a caring individual um and he's like very open-minded as far as like like what we're doing um 
and like how we're going to improve and he's you know he always gives good feedback that's that's the big thing um so it's not like it's just like my opinion i'm like hey how's this sequence working um during the situational sparring or you know he'll he'll give me feedback after and it helps out a lot it's definitely uh you know it's it's different than going with the people that I'm working with that, you know, are kind of newer versus a guy like Hunter who's a seasoned vet and he's a really good grappler, so he can give me a lot better reactions uh, for the situational training. And uh, definitely I can be, like, a little bit meaner on, like, the, you know, the combat jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the rear naked chokes and stuff like that where you don't want to scare off. You can be a little meaner to the guy with thirty fights than yeah, the white exactly, belt who has exactly. thirty classes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think I've hit anybody in combat jujitsu besides Hunter with like the slaps mm. to the face. Other than Hunter, so he's obviously a good friend. You always slap the one you love. Exactly. Huh. So, is there anything I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about, or anything that you really think people ought to know? Oh, it's uh, sponsored by uh, Ball Wash. <laughs> yeah, you, you're always that, welcome to shout out your sponsors. Especially. Yeah, man, they have. Uh, I'm gonna get like uh, their logo just like right on the crotch. That's the that's the game plan for it. I thought it was pretty funny. So that, I, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. that is. Uh, you, yeah, I am inside a 12 year old boy, and so <laughs> I also think it's funny. But yeah, wow, right on the crotch. The maturity levels, just highest level. Absolutely, we have the, we have the excellent standards for this podcast, the Dirty White Belt Podcast. And that's our show for the week. My sincere thanks to both Shayla Tu and Malin Tu for producing a terrific piece and letting us run it. My congratulations to all my friends, training partners, and associated jiu-jitsu brothers and sisters who did well at the Masters Worlds. And special thanks to Austin Daffron for sitting down with us in between training sessions right before flying off to Switzerland. We have a lot of great new shows coming up for you. We're going to interview John Thomas, the CEO of Tap Cancer Out. We have a bunch of interviews with David Porter that we're going to combine into a white belt survival guide. So if you're a white belt, if you're new to jiu-jitsu hopefully those will be very useful to you as well please subscribe on itunes stitcher and soundcloud and please support us grappling this is dirty white bell radio my name is jeff shaw and we will see you real soon